We are Wrestling Elitists. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, joined as always with Alex. All right, all right, Gibson. What's up, buddy? Hello, hello. Uh, Nice to see you again this week. Nice to see you too. Not seeing us today as uh, Sean Nash. He's unfortunately on a work-related trip. He's got to travel for work. As you know, Sean's an accountant. And right now he's actually traveling to the North Pole to strip uh, toys from tots of their nonprofit status. So kind of a dark reason why he's not working here and not on the show today. <laughs> kind of sinister, actually, quite frankly, but whatever. Fuck it. Um, so we want to thank you for streaming this episode. If you'd like to continue to support the podcast, give us a five star review on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you stream your podcast. That actually does help us quite a bit. So if you do like what you saw give us that five-star review and subscribe. Uh, we actually had a video of ours that had, what was it? 950 streams on Instagram. So if you yeah. liked what you saw, subscribe to us at wrestling elitist podcast on Instagram, and you can follow us at wrestling elitist.com uh, on Twitter. And then you can go to our actual website, wrestling And that's where we'll have uh, all of our uh, weekly reviews of AEW's uh, television. And then some random articles, that come up here and there. I had an article on primetime wrestling from 19, what the hell was it? 1987, 1987, yeah. 87. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to have uh, one that comes on 88 and then one from 89 this week, hopefully as well. Uh, and maybe do some more retro survivor series stuff as well. So a lot of content coming our way. I'm sure we'll look back at old episodes of, uh, or old episodes. We'll look at old pay-per-views of full gear as we get closer to the big pay-per-view on the 19th. Uh, a lot of stuff happening on the website, though. But for this show, with Sean gone, what the hell's the format, Alex? Well, I, I'm nervous taking this over. Uh, <laughs> we've got our news of the week. We've got match of the week, moment of the week, cringe of the week, followed by anticipation. And then as is with every week, it seems like there's a million things that we could have fit into half of those buckets. So we're going to cover up uh, all of those towards the end as well. Okay, so the big news coming out of this week was uh, Jeff Jarrett joining AEW. So let's get your thoughts there, Alex. Well, uh, it was a bit of a swerve, I think, based <laughs> on what we uh, what we had seen. We had seen some rumors prior to the show. Alvarez came out and said that he had heard there was going to be a big show. We're, what is that going to be? Who could it be a debut of? Or, you know, how is this going to go? And to start off the show, have that fake sting reveal as someone from the factory. That was already a... The did any voice when, when he took his mask off? I think you could... Yeah. Uh, you could hear a mar- mouse fart when that happened. And mm-hmm. then after that, we see Double J come out, uh, attack Jay Lethal with a guitar, which love to see a guitar shot. Um, I'm going to be naming this episode Broke 600 Guitars and Never Drew a Dime after some uh, shit talking that's been done on. <laughs> uh, From Jeff- the level-headed mind of Mike, Mike Graham, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but God. it was, uh, you know what, honestly... It's now knowing afterwards that he's got a backstage role and it's probably not going to be a huge thing of him on screen. I don't mind it. The idea of him being an actual on-screen character, I don't necessarily love, but I did absolutely love that he got his TNA theme. It just brought me back to his reign of terror days. It's an awful theme, but it's also like, there's like almost a nostalgia to how much I hated that song when I was watching the old like weekly TNA pay-per-view days and the reverse uh, battle Royal match and the King of the mountain matches, awful, awful, awful wrestling uh, with him sometimes, but something about that theme does it for me. 
happy to see it. And I'm also happy about the news that uh, this might mean some AEW house shows. It sounds like a lot of the talent is currently wanting to be able to wrestle a little bit more. And as much as a selling point is that you don't have to be on the road 300 days a year, I think it's also a little bit of a drawback, especially to the younger talent, the people that don't get to be in front of people as much mm-hmm. to only have 52 weeks a year uh, and two hours on dynamite flies by. You can't even get all the stars on there now. We'll talk about it when we get to our full gear eliminator tournament. There's, there's some names missing. So uh, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, just like you said, I mean, anytime you hear Jeff Jarrett now, you associate it with TNA and bad wrestling. And whether that's fair or not, that's the consequences of being the name of or the biggest name. But but one of the names behind the show and the show being a shitty second place show at times, they had a great run at some points where it was the most innovative uh, company in North America. And they're doing a lot of great things, but they're always kind of branded as being second place. So I just don't see the need for him to be on television. Um, and like I put on my article in WrestlingLeaders.com. Nothing innovative is coming from it. They're not creating anything new by having him on screen. And it's just taking time away from other people who need television time significantly more. Um, You made the Mike Graham reference and like, it's true. Like, what has he done on a big scale to move the needle? He really hasn't. He's been a top guy and a featured guy and is very well talented and brings a lot to the table. But just as a TV personality, I don't need to see it, even though he looked pretty great. Like his arms are pretty fucking jacked. Like he looked, he looked good, but uh, I don't know. It just wasn't for me in terms of him as a character, but what he could bring to maybe backstage and advice could be very valuable and have a different perspective. Um, that could be good too, just to have another someone uh, pitching ideas and shooting ideas around that could be helpful. Don't know what's going to come of it, but uh it was an interesting move to say the least. I wasn't happy for it. I was like, well, that's fucking nuts. I don't like yeah. it. I don't dislike it, but that was a big surprise. It was certainly something. Yeah. And I, I, I don't really get, cause he, when he was in WWE, his title was something with like director of live events or live event development. So it's interesting that that seems to be a niche that he's filled as a, with an, with an office job. And I really wonder what he'll bring to the table there that, is going to be worth having him in. I, I just feel like my worry is how many times have we seen him? He got kicked out of his own company when he was still running TNA and then he built global force wrestling and then was doing that. Yeah. Weird, remember like the gold golden or global force, uh, gold where he was almost doing like a, uh, it was like those yeah, energy he, drink mouth. Yeah. MLMs. He was doing like, he was doing, um, pyramid scheme shit. Yeah. Or, sorry, so, multi-level marketing. Yeah, it's, pyramid and so, scheme. it's a triangle of opportunity that flows to the top. <laughs> exactly. Let's cover <laughs> our bases here uh, yeah. from a legal perspective. And Sorry. I, I just don't understand. I, I don't know. It's just like the carniness of him is what I like. I don't really understand oh, God, yeah. him in for yeah. a for a, a, an actual in-office job. Maybe I'm wrong there. And you know what? One of the one of the few times I've ever been excited to see uh, Jeff Jarrett. This isn't really related to last week, but when him and Elias were like one and two at the Rumble a few years ago, that was like a great moment. That was the first and only time I've ever been excited to see Jeff Jarrett. And I just hope that he doesn't become Whoa. a regular weekly uh, character. You're forgetting about his cameo in Spring Breakers. That was the one that was like, holy shit, what's Jeff Jarrett doing on TV right now? <laughs> 
You're right. There's a cameo in Spring Breakers. I feel like such a slap nuts for not hitting that, for not remembering that. Yeah. No, um, and kind of like what you said, too. I mean, who knows what his working reputation actually is in the office place. It's easy for us to speculate uh, what he could or could not be doing behind the scenes just because we get tired of his character on television. That's not fair. We don't know what he's like as an employee. We don't know what he does backstage um strengths or minuses whatever i don't know but i don't need to see him on tv that's the main point of it and i don't think he's going to be doing anything that's super innovative with jay lethal and if it's leading to a match with sting who fucking cares (laughs) exactly god bless sting i'd love to see sting get a title run if like mjf does become a heel have him be fed to mjf or something like that that's great but like sting versus jeff jarrett like oh good god i don't know don't work for me, brother. All right, let's go into what we thought did work, though. Uh, let's go into match of the week. Holy shit. Uh, what a <laughs> surprise on on Wednesday night. So the thing that I believe Alvarez probably was actually talking about, Shibata coming out, challenging Orange Cassidy and us getting him on Friday Night Rampage, Orange Cassidy yeah. versus Shibata for the All-Atlantic title. I loved it. Love that they didn't even wait till for the next Wednesday. Take advantage of having a live dynamite, having Mike Tyson there in attendance. Perfect. Uh, you know, I was even a little bit weary about having Mike Tyson on commentary. I think you mentioned it in your article. Like he was like pleasantly, like really like knowledgeable about wrestling. Yeah, he, had, and, he liked it. And he was like calling moves at one point when mm-hmm. p- other people weren't calling it. He just started doing the play by play. He was having fun with it. And that's that was great to see. Um, but just loved it, you know, immediately starting with, with Shibata, just no nonsense, throwing him right into, uh, you know, kind of a headlock without any sort of actual lockup or anything like that. When Orange Cassidy usually loves to do his little kicking bit, eventually going to that, um, the whole, uh, them trying to get the other one to slap, slap the other one and Cassie just trying to rile Shibata up. Uh, it was really just an interesting, I felt like we got to see another dimension of Orange Cassidy, Mm-hmm. That was almost like competitive and hungry and having a fire, which was interesting and cool to see. Um, the PKs that uh, he was hitting on Shibata, some of those looked really good. Uh, yeah. and seeing Shibata pop right back up and and just do his uh, his sitting pose. I said it on our Twitter account the other day, but um, you know, there's a reason at this point that uh, all these great wrestlers, Shibata, uh, Will Osprey. And others, they want to wrestle Orange Cassidy. And it's because Orange Cassidy always fucking puts on a great match. Like, as much as I want to be negative about him sometimes, just because Mm -hmm. the bit gets old when you're somebody who watches uh, twice a week, essentially. It fucking delivers every time when it's an actual big match. And um, I actually, I I wasn't sure who was going to win that. Like, I I figured it was going to be Orange Cassidy, but... It had me at one point thinking that there was a chance that we'd see a Shibata win and have him yeah. holding a title in AEW. What were your thoughts? I kind of said the same thing in the article. I mean, that's all you can ask for, right? It's like you are a somewhat cynical wrestling fan and you think you know what's going to happen. If you really think at one point, like, oh, that was a false finish that actually got me. That helps. Um, I thought it was good. I was, I was I was grateful to see Shibata not do anything too risky. I think when some people come back from a head trauma or a major, major health uh, scare inside the ring. Some wrestlers just like to test themselves for some su- silly reason and just try to go too hard just to like say, hey, I'm, I'm not afraid or something like that. So he wasn't doing like ridiculous headbutts, which was nice to see. Um, I thought he looked great. I was 
pleasantly surprised with the match. I thought it was very, very fun. I'd like to see what he'll do maybe at full gear. Like if he's here, take advantage of it. I know they're not going to go the route with Danielson anymore, but that was something that I think Alvarez mentioned that, or um, Meltzer mentioned that he's here to wrestle Orange Cassidy and Danielson. So hopefully they do get a chance to wrestle. Um, But man, he looked great. It was good to see him wrestle again. He did look great. And his death Valley driver is so much better than everybody. Like, Everybody mm-hmm. else's move of that doesn't look that great. His almost for a split second just looked like a safer version of a burning hammer to me, which is my favorite move of all time. Uh, not a move you see very often, but it was beautiful. And I, that was a moment where I was like, Oh shit, he might actually be winning this when he hit that. All right. Well, let's go into our moment of the week because I think we're, we actually have similar ones here. Um, Speaking of guys that are surprising you with their in-ring ability, Logan Paul. Yeah. Um, look, I, I'll i preface this with I talked shit about Logan Paul when he first joined WWE and was doing some celebrity involvement. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm always I'm pretty much always going to be negative about celebrity involvement until they prove me wrong. Yeah. And he pulled out a, a great match with Roman Reigns. What? Some people are saying is Roman's best match of his two-year run as champion. I haven't watched no. enough of WWE over the last two years to be able to really say that. Um, one of my buddies who doesn't watch wrestling but saw that Logan Paul was wrestling for the WWE title this weekend messaged me and said, so what's the wrestling elitist's opinion on uh, on Logan Paul and WWE? And I was like, well, I don't love it. I don't love celebrity involvement, but... He actually seems to take it seriously. And also, I appreciate that it's ha- this match is happening at Crown Jewel, which barely happen- like occurs in WWE canon anyways. Yeah. It feels like everything that happens there isn't real. Like, Shawn Michaels is still retired. You know, like, all of that didn't happen. So, that <laughs> Kane's spot wig where... didn't fall off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that spot where he, you know, he jumped off the, the corner turnbuckle onto the announce table and crash through with uh with roman on the table but he did it holding his phone and a selfie way he goes i'm gonna make you go viral roman and then is kind of filming himself the entire time through the impact that was such a cool fucking shot think about how many people in wwe or outside of wwe have had uh self-absorbed selfie gimmicks yet logan paul was the one who pulled off the coolest fucking version of that that i've seen that was an insane jump that he took. He had another, there was another crazy photo I saw from uh, when he got hit with a Superman punch at one point uh, when he, he had jumped off the top rope. Logan made moments and Logan, like you could say what you want about the Paul brothers. They're annoying as hell. I don't yeah. necessarily ever really need to see them, but they understand moments. And that was a fucking great moment. I sent that video to a ton of people and everybody had the same opinion that that was an awesome awesome shot, awesome spot, whatever you want to call it. And it gets, it does what exactly what getting a celebrity involved is supposed to do. And it puts some other eyes on the product. Yeah. Couldn't say it any better. Um, and I, this sounds like heresy, but I think he, I think he gave a better buckshot lariat than hangman. (laughs) That was amazing. That he almost over rotate. He he had so much fucking good. Did you see somebody on Reddit actually put together a comparison of uh, of his buckshot versus a 
Hangman one. He covered more ground than Hangman usually does. Usually Hangman has the person in the <laughs> middle of the ring. Logan actually like had to go all the way to the other end and they like the timing on it was almost the same. Like he whipped himself even faster than Hangman does. Yeah. It was wild. It was impressive. This. He's he's physically gifted. He's very very naturally gifted at wrestling. Um they're different personalities, but just in different styles, but just grasping it with so little experience, it's Kurt Angle. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, it's that crazy of like, how does someone get so naturally good at everything so quickly? Um, he was good. Like I, I uh, was extremely impressed. I don't think he's a fucking five star wrestler, but that's fine. He doesn't need to be. That's okay. Um, he can, he can put on these great moments and, put over a big star like Roman and make uh, WWE get a lot more viewers. There's going to be a lot of casuals who watch that because of this match. And it wasn't just that he was a celebrity. It was, he was impressive as a wrestler. He looked good as a wrestler and I thought he looked genuinely great. And I was like, okay, all my shitty little snarky remarks and just no, nope, mm-hmm. can't have any like that was good. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that was, they've already come out and said that now crown jewel I, 2022 was their highest viewed uh, PLE, I think now. Yeah, wouldn't doubt it. Saw. So that's huge. Uh, but also, I, uh, I it just I feels think... good for your soul, doesn't it? Crown Jewel getting all those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, fine. One for the good guys. Uh, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but, just sweep uh, it right under the rug. <laughs> the the Paul brothers, like you know, is as annoying as they are, and and you know everything like that. Like one thing that you can say, like when they dedicate themselves they go all into anything they do and i i just as a wrestling fan i respect that because i think that we're it's a thing where we've seen so many people especially like ufc people who they're fading away from ufc because they've lost two or three matches in a row all of a sudden they see a chance to go get a payday in wwe and they don't take it very seriously or you know they're they're just doing it they're doing it because that's kind of the natural path that you do um, you know, even like McGregor kind of hinted to like, I would do WWE, but I looked down on it type of a thing. Yeah. So just to see somebody come in and respect, respect the sport, respect what it is. And fucking, yeah, I think he tore his ACL, PCL and MCL in that match. Meniscus. Yeah. Yeah. He got a yeah, lot of, like, he was pretty banged up apparently. I mean, I believe it. He just he like gave, put he his, gave his body fucking to all. the limit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a good match. Yeah, I, I don't wish that anybody would ever get hurt in the ring, but I I, no. I am grateful that he fucking cared enough to put it all out there. And yeah, and it. It, it, it's incredible that like he was an annoying douche nozzle that was like hanging around with Sami Zayn. What was it? The WrestleMania um, in Tampa Bay. And then this one at, in Dallas was like he was still kind of annoying, but it's like, oh, he's not that bad. And then this thing is just like incredible. Um and I thought the match with Miz was overrated at SummerSlam. I was like, people are like, okay, calm down. And that's why I was a little bit skeptical coming into this, but certainly impressed me. I mean, Roman certainly did his part too. Roman's timing is incredible of knowing when to make things a moment, when to accentuate, when to um, put over his competitor, when to no-sell them. He does a great job of that as well. Roman did his part and then some. Um, was it the greatest match of all time? No, but it was probably one of the best celebrity matches I've ever seen. If not the mm-hmm. best, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. All righty. Well, let's move on a bit. If we can, let's go into what our cringe of the week was. Uh, yeah. Another week, another tweet 
based cringe. Um, yeah. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but Braun tweeted. I'm not, I don't even want to read the tweet, but something about how nobody cares about flippy guys. It's all about the big monsters. That's what everyone likes. I haven't seen a single person other than Braun online talk about him versus Omos. I didn't even know that that match fucking happened until I saw the tweet. So to sit here and pretend that anybody cares about that, and I know he's probably partially trolling, but also when you're a troll, but then get mad when people come back at you. Yeah, y'all can't get a joke. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was joking because you're mad. You know what I mean? Nah, I knew you'd get mad. Like, But then you'll complain and in a year he'll do a podcast where he talks about how fans are toxic and they attack him online unfairly and all of that stuff. Like, unless you're working in it for, towards an angle, it's just a pointless, it's a pointless tweet to put out there. Nobody really cares about those big man matches anymore that I know of. Maybe I'm way off and the casuals love it or, or something like that. But I don't know anybody who's talking about that match. I don't know anybody who talks about Braun Strowman matches in general. I think a lot of people were happy to see him back because they thought that, oh, like maybe he's now been humbled after previously when he shit all over indie wrestlers. And he just has this energy of, I made it, so it doesn't matter. And that's annoying. But then on the other end, all of the other wrestlers that are eating the trash and getting upset and worked up. No. Yeah. It's like, it's both sides are annoying at this point. It's, it's like politics. (laughs) I mean, like it's Mm -hmm. just, you just shut up. Don't, don't give him the attention, um, which I know I'm doing right now, but I don't think Braun listens to this podcast. Um, if he does, I don't think you're that great. Um, but (laughs) it's just, uh, just at the the end of the day, Braun's going to, I feel like he's going to come back and question why people don't like him and not understand that it just feels like he's the same asshole who was making fun of people who couldn't afford to live during the COVID shutdowns because they didn't have a WWE paycheck. And it's just, it comes down to that, I think. And also, and like, he's not that interesting. Like at least the flippy guys, like those guys all had to develop a lot of skills and everything like that. And I'm not saying that he doesn't work hard or anything like that. But you're kind of starting on third base when you're born seven footer. Uh, yeah, that was going to be my point too. You like you do get an advantage when you're just a natural freak athlete like that, and you shouldn't be so um, pissy about people criticizing what star ratings they give your match. You're not supposed to have a five star match, you fucking goof. You're supposed to have a one star match where you squash someone and look impressive, and you get to do yeah. that. So you have nothing to fucking bitch about. I I don't get it. Um, it just seems like he's very. Uh, playing into his persona and trying to have it both ways when he gets called out on it and seems like a immature person. Yeah. I just, I just want people to own their work. Like if you're going to say it, say it and stand to it, but he just never, he never can. All of a sudden it's people are too sensitive or whatever. Like, no, just no, that's what I believe and move on. Or if, like I said, if it was a part of a program, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. And like, you know how the NFL has like that rookie symposium, is that what it's called? But like yeah, the, the rookie yeah. thing where they they teach them, okay, you don't need that much bling. You don't need to have five fucking cars. There also should be something for wrestlers on Twitter. Cut a promo in character as a character, as a gimmick, but don't uh, be so thin-skinned online. You just look like an ass. Whether <laughs> yeah. it's him, Andrade, getting butt hurt that AEW didn't tweet him happy birthday. 
It's like, okay, <laughs> some of funny. Miro's stuff can sometimes come off as like, what? It's just like, get off Twitter, Sammy. Like, there's a lot of guys that just like, you just sound like such a child. Um, yeah. And you don't need to embarrass yourself like that. And it just buries you and it doesn't do you any goodwill long term. Just fucking cool it with Twitter. Geeks. Geeks is right. Okay. Well, my cringe of the week. Um I've been annoyed with the elongation of the Jericho Appreciation Society and Blackpool Combat Club storyline. It just never ends. Um, they had the tag match at Claudia one and I was like, okay, fine. Just end it. Just clean break and have them feud with the firm and do that instead. But this storyline is keep on going and keep on going. And I thought initially on rampage on Friday, they were going to do something where it was Jericho pitting, um, Claudio and Brian Danielson against each other as a way to kind of like cop out and still, you know, retain his title. But then putting it a four away with Sammy was stupid uh, to not have Garcia there. Like at least pay off that storyline. What the hell is Garcia going to do? Just be mopey on the outside during that match. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Um, And it was a disappointing storyline because it just keeps on going and going and going if they would have ended this at blood and guts it would be fine and i think this whole thing would have been fondly remembered um but i i just wanted to add and it's not going to end at all it's the one hallmark that'll be a mark on chris jericho's legacy in AEW is how overdrawn his feuds get it's the yeah. second major feud too, where you started with the most extreme matches you had. Yeah. At, what's the, it wasn't stadium stampede. It was the arena arena. Anarchy or, yeah. Yeah. Anarchy in the arena. Then you have blood and guts and now you're having tag matches. Like it just doesn't <laughs> make sense. It doesn't make sense to do it in that order and for it to continue now going on this long. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it continues to happen where it's almost like Tony's like, I'm out of ideas. Let's just run it back one more week. Then next week, I'll know what to do with you guys. And then next week comes and he still doesn't know. And it's just, there needs to be cleaner breaks, shorter. I love long form, long form, like storytelling, but oh yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't mean long feuds for every feud. And that's the one thing that they need to correct, especially with Jericho. It feels like he does two feuds a year. One's eight months and the other one's, you know, the next four for the year. And then it lasts into the the following year Like he needs to start moving on. Yeah. The long form storyline is not a problem. It works perfectly. If you have a story that's worth telling MJF and CM Punk was compelling from moment to end. There wasn't a moment where I was like, man, this just drags. That was great all the way through. It can be done. Um, it's just this isn't the story we're telling, especially with the detours with Daniel Garcia not being satisfying. If they were going to maybe do something where, OK, it's Garcia versus Jericho and they unify the pure and the purest title or something, whatever, that's fine. But uh, just and it also doesn't help Sammy. I think he's going to get some of the backlash for the storyline going too long just because he's there and people want to shit on him again. Yeah wrongly or maybe not so wrongly for his persona or what they believe his persona is in real life. Um, he's going to just take some backlash for just being nonsensically in the storyline too. Yeah. And at this point it's making 
the Blackpool Combat Club, I thought they were the coolest fucking group when they first formed and they really haven't been any like they're already having this dissension and not feeling like a team and now Claudio and Danielson are both in this fatal four way for the ROH title against each other. It just feels weird. Um I like factions, but I need them to feel like a cohesive group for at least a little bit of time. Yeah, and like like uh, what's what's Wheeler going to do? What's Moxley yeah. doing? And I think that yeah, you're right. I think they have lost their edge a little bit. Um because it felt like okay, this is an unstoppable group of ass kickers that will just beat everyone at technical wrestling and they just keep slipping on banana peels now. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, it's kind of lame. Yeah. Especially given the talent. That's that is a dream stable. And I think it's a little missing the mark here, but it can be corrected. We'll see what happens as they go into full gear. So the thing that I know we're both looking forward to is the full gear world title eliminator tournament. So the brackets for this are pretty good. I mean, I think we'll have some debate on over who we want to see or maybe could have saw yeah. in this, but I think this is a fine tournament. I love tournaments. I'm a big fucking sucker for them. I know we've had a lot of tournaments so far in AW this year, but at least there's an organic reason why people are competing and it propels a storyline forward and they can't change things. That's what I like about tournaments. It kind of just makes something concrete and makes a wrestling company adhere to some semblance of plan. So maybe that's just why I'm a sucker for them. But all right, let's break this down, Alex. So we got on the left side of the bracket. We got Eddie Kingston going up against Ethan Page. Uh, Bandito versus Roosh. And then on the other side, we have Lance Archer. Ricky Starks, and then in the final bracket, Brian Cage and Dante Martin. So first question, who do you think's missing from this? Like if you could take someone out and put someone in, who would it be? I feel like I'm still, might be stealing your thunder because we talked about this before we went to air, but Miro is the one that really stands out to me. Um, Take Dante Martin out probably there. Uh, Give me a Haas match between Miro and Brian yeah. Cage. That would be great. And I, I think that to me, that was probably the biggest glaring, like, where are you? I mean, Darby's another one, but at least he's in a feud right now. Um, And and I, I kind of wish that we weren't seeing Bandito and Roosh together. Like, I would rather see, I kind of want to see Bandito go against somebody that like, like Bandito versus Starks would be more interesting to me at this point. Cause I don't think we're going to see those two in the finals. Um, Bandito and Roosh, I just feel like they were in ROH together. So I, I, I would rather keep them separate for now. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I would go the same thing with having uh, Miro replace Dante Martin, just because Dante Martin's such an underdog where you just don't think he's going to win. And history has proven that he won't, even though he's going to put on a good show. Um, you just can't yeah. take him. There, he kind no of became a belief that he's going to advance. It felt like, you know, they really pushed him around. It was right around this time last year, right? When he was kind yeah. of getting his, his chance to really shine. And he just never, like, he still just looks like a lost puppy when like his facial expressions just aren't, they don't connect. <laughs> and he just doesn't have, he doesn't have that side of it down. And I think for me, there's a little bit like, you know, this is probably, this is a, this is an Alex problem, right? But I just can't get past the fact that he 
didn't take full advantage last year of all the showings he got to me. Like he just didn't, he didn't improve enough. And now I'm just kind of, I'm down on, I'm selling my Dante Martin stock still to this day. I'm trying to get rid of it. So <laughs> that's, Leo Rush that's was kind a good, of the problem. Like of all people, Leo Rush actually was kind of a good pairing with him with, uh, yeah, he, he was like this grifter who's going to manipulate him. I liked what they did. And, um, even some of the stuff with team Taz was okay for a minute there, but okay. Regardless of that. Okay. So who's your prediction? Who do you think is going to be in the final? I think we're getting Ricky Starks and on the left side, that's where I'm, I think that I lean towards Ethan page. Cause I think that we're starting to see the firm more and more and him and Ricky Starks would be a fresh heel face uh, matchup and two guys that you can have as future stars to position. Um, I would have said Eddie Kingston if I thought that a heel was coming up on the other side, but I don't think we're going to see Eddie versus Ricky. So I'm going to go Ricky versus Ethan page. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be Ricky Starks though. I think that's like pretty clear on the right side of the bracket, but on the left, man, I could go with Eddie if they are going to have MJF be a heel. Um, just so he can, put mjf over um but if he is a face mjf that is ethan page i think is the most likely winner there um but i like this tournament a lot i mean i think that's like like at least it's not very clear i could i could make the case for a lot of these guys advancing or doing something um even brian cage in a weird way i could kind of see that going like okay well he beats ricky starks maybe he does something with ring of honor i don't fucking know but i'm interested to see bandito too now is he part of AEW or not he's been signed officially for about a month now <laughs> i'm Hopefully. so sick yeah, of hope- seeing that like fucking on my twitter feed is like bandito's all day. elite no he's not <laughs> till it's <laughs> yeah. on the screen uh by tony gunn i don't believe it um, yeah and but I, I think that'll be I, a good show showing too. bandito and roosh will be good yeah and i do like too that uh the uh, qualifiers, three of them are going to be on Rampage together. And I, is that a live Rampage? Do you know? I think it might be. I, I believe they're I think they're pretty much for. I think they're or, or, doing like a month of live all the way up until full gear. Okay. Full gear. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so maybe I'm wrong on this, but one thing I've, I've disliked about previous tournaments is I don't like that some of them happen on a live show and some of them happen on a tape show. It sure. just instantly. It's something that, once again, I can't get my mind past that if this match is happening on a tape show, this isn't of that important of a matchup that I need to be seeing. Like, it's not seen as as important. And yeah. so I like the idea of assuming that it is a live show. You have that entire rampage. It's just tournament matches. That also makes it feel more like a tournament. I despise yeah. it when it's like there's only one tournament match and a two-hour rampage or, or well, I guess, a one-hour rampage or a two-hour dynamite typically make it actually feel like a tournament and have all of those matches happening in one night as much of them as possible at least yeah i would love to see them do like the super j cup format and yeah have like a you can do seven matches on tv or six matches by with like a dq or double dq like yeah that's not hard to pull off you can just have a special episode where it's like okay we're gonna do a fucking tournament or make that one of the battle of the belt shows it's like someone yeah. comes in with it and we'll say, okay, that's the big, maybe it's a chicken shit heel and they're going to defend their championship through the tournament. Something. Yeah. Yep. 
yeah, switch it up. And so I'm, I'm pretty happy with the overall. I think a lot of times I'm a little bit more negative on the actual overall bracket. This one, it's more so like if I have to be negative, these are my thoughts. Yeah. Now, I would like to see Hook in something. I can't wait for the day that Hook is in a tournament. Oh, God, I know. Or like, just like in that, a legitimate feud. He's not feuding with the yeah. trust busters. Oh, it's going to be huge. You'll see. You're, you'll be sorry. <laughs> Um, okay, so we kind of touched on this a little bit already, but um, going into our various miscellaneous topics portion of the show, we talked about L- Logan Paul impressing us. Is there any wrestler that you th- or a celebrity wrestler that you think is more gifted or more kind of took you for surprise by uh, in-ring ability? There's two that stand out, but I still would say Logan ranks above them. D'Angelo Williams, the NFL player. Did you ever see him when he was an no. impact? No. Yeah. Oh, he did like a table spot and everything. I'll I'll send it to you after the after the show. Better than checks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then the other one's Stephen Amell. But I think that once okay, again, yeah. Logan Paul is a more gifted athlete than Stephen Amell. Stephen Amell clearly is a big fan of wrestling. Um, I think he's you know he I think he's on season two now of his show on Stars that is about him being a professional wrestler. Yeah, heels. Yeah. Uh, and so. He obviously has a great respect for it. I think he probably worked just as hard as Logan, but Logan just has some athleticism that you, you can't teach that. And oh. that is uh, what puts him over. Man, bringing that classic out. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would say Logan Paul's the best, but like in terms of bigger celebrity impact, I mean, like Mr. T so huge for WrestleMania yeah. 1, even though he wasn't all that great in the ring, but that was just such a big moment. Um and I always thought LT was underrated too. He had a good match with Bam Bam at WrestleMania, I think 11. But Logan Paul was certainly the best one that we've seen in recent time. And probably it'll take a lot to surpass him. I do wonder, though, if you will get one of those UFC guys that come on, like Adesanya supposedly wants to be a wrestler. He does the Undertaker gimmick. I mean, maybe yeah. he could be someone good. We'll see. Yeah. And I'm also forgetting Bad Bunny was really good. Or he had a Canadian oh, yeah. destroyer. But yeah, I think he was all right. Is that. That was the WrestleMania where there was no fans, right? Yeah, he was in like a rumble one year where there was nobody. I think he was in the Shane McMahon rumble that he had. Yeah. Kerflunkel. Yeah. Um, So I think that that's probably that's probably part of why it doesn't really resonate. And also, I just I didn't even know who Bad Bunny was until he was in that match. So uh, it just didn't fully resonate with me. But he also I remember him being another guy that clearly is a big fan of wrestling and wanted to pay pay his respects to the sport when he was oh. uh, doing what he was doing. The one I'm forgetting that like he was terrible, but just was super over was Johnny Knoxville. That one, like, you know what? That one was fun though. It was fun. That reaction was huge. <laughs> like I just thought that was going to be the dumbest thing and it was derpy, but boy, I, people they, loved it. And like, if you watch like Michael Cole on commentary during it, he is like, having the time of this goddamn miserable life. Like he's just flipping out and enjoying that match so much. So it it goes to show you how much just leaning, leaning into the joke can go though, you know, rather than, Oh, for sure. Trying to make it something serious. They just went full fucking jackass and it was great for what it was. Exactly. Okay. Uh, other things we wanted to get into this week. So, um, talking about, big matches to come and things to anticipate. I'm excited for FTR and Aussie open, possibly running it back at wrestle kingdom. 
Um, Aussie Open cut a promo on FDR and interrupt their media scrum. Uh, that was a great match. I have to watch it again. I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to give it the five star ranking or not. It was very, very good, though. Um, I do have to watch it again. But man, that would be a great Wrestle Kingdom match to have uh, on the fourth. So hopefully that's the case. Hopefully my son is born days later. So I got to actually get to watch it. And uh, <laughs> I think that'll be a good show, though, for Wrestle Kingdom. I think if you do, if he's born on the fourth, you guys should consider maybe naming him after whoever wins the main event. Well, it's perfect though. Cause like I wanted to call him Jay. That was actually like a legit, like I like Jay as a name, but it's, yeah. it's like Jay. What? Like Jay. I'm not going to call him Jay white more. That'd be weird. But Jay <laughs> is like a first name. I always like Jay, but who knows? Kazushka more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okada more. Um, all right. What else did you want to go into? Uh, let's with another celebrity involvement, Rick Ross. Oh, I thought yeah. that he was, he was great, uh, at AEW. So first of all, I don't know if you saw the video of him in the crowd with Lamar Jackson, just chanting, uh, you still suck to Jeff Jarrett, just, just immediately getting involved and being a part of it. Mm-hmm. And then backstage with, swerve in our glory having the champagne just living it up that guy's played a gimmick for 15 years as a rapper and he knows how to do it in the wrestling world he instantly just felt like he's been doing this for years yeah i would love to see him and swerve have some sort of involvement for a while i don't necessarily need him every week i i don't think that that's uh, anything that we need to see but i absolutely loved it the uh accusations False accusations <laughs> was amazing. Just the timing on it was so funny. Sean cut it up and sent it to us in the group chat, and I probably played it fifteen times. I hope to get. To, I hope we get to see him a little bit every now and then, at least. Yeah, it was a good week of celebrity cameos. You had Lamar Jackson too getting called out by Jericho. So shy. Yeah, um, and that was funny. And then again, we talked about Mike Tyson at the start of the show, but it's like. He seemed to be having such a good goddamn time calling that match. He seemed so happy to to just be there with the guys watching with JR. Like you could just kind of tell he was like, this is so great. And it was cool to see. So I like that the celebrity involvement they have isn't desperate. It's not like the, um, you know, let's have Pee Wee Herman host Raw or let's have, you know, Lamar Odom or not Lamar Odom. Who's the the big baller brand, that fucking moron. Oh, LeVar Ball. Yeah, him hosting. It's not these like desperate D-listers. It's like celebrities that are, you know, they're not going to win an Oscar, but whatever. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, they're not like these like train wreck uh, Z-list celebrities. So at least it's like kind of folks that people know and and, and you don't feel sorry for them to be on the show. Yeah, and it, they add to it rather than it feeling like a forced, you know, we yeah. need a celebrity GM this week type of a thing. Uh, did you happen to see this week also, or may, I think it was like, I think it might have been right before we started filming last week, Joey Janela kind of calling out the way that uh, AEW Dark is run. So there was a Ray Phoenix versus AR Fox match. That was a pretty good back and forth match. Yeah. And so Joey Janela just tweeted, he's like, this is what dark should be rather than just a bunch of squashes 
And some people took it too literally. I think even Dax kind of was thinking like that he was saying that every match needs to be a 15 minute barn burner or something like that, which I don't no. think that that's yeah. the point that Janela was trying to make. Janela was just trying to say, instead of squash, 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 let's mix in some competitive matches. And I completely agree. I don't know who the YouTube show is is made for at this point, um, both dark and dark elevation. To me, I don't I don't know who's watching that other than people maybe having it on as background while they cook dinner or uh, I don't know, the families of the jobbers that are making their, you know, YouTube slash television debut with AEW. It just doesn't seem like competitive wrestling and there's too much wrestling to be putting myself through that. What were your, do you have any kind of like thoughts on that or, or do you think that Janela was right in his criticism there? I think you need to sprinkle in something big happening every once in a while. Um, it's like the old adage of like, you know, title change, anything can happen in the WWF and you'd have a tag team title change. You'd have a, you know, Marty Jannetty Luzzi intercontinental title or something like that at a house show. You need to do things to make people want to come and watch them every once in a while. Um, but no, it doesn't, you're, you're not, you don't need to have a fucking steamboat versus flare on every show. That's unsustainable and unrealistic, but um, you can have competitive matches and you can have opportunity for someone to be made a star. And that is a way to kind of low key roll someone into a star function, like how Dante Martin got over was like, Hey, this guy's doing some great stuff on dark and elevation. People need to check them out. And it is a way to build people up a little bit too. Um, I mean, if they were going with the rankings like they used to, that could also be a way to pad up wins. Um, the gun club and acclaimed got a lot from dark from that, but um, I do think, yeah, you do have to make something special with it every once in a while, or it's just a show to have on in the background while you're updating notes in your applicant tracking system. Not that we would know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my only other note that I really had was uh, regarding Jim Cornette. He said this week on his podcast that Sami Zayn is currently his favorite thing in wrestling. Hell has fucking frozen over. Yeah. He has spies Zane for years and uh, especially back when he had his El Generico character and he's always hated Kevin Owens and he's praising what Sami Zayn's doing right now with the bloodline. I, it's not often that I really agree with Cornette. I just think that I think a lot of his hatred is a, is a character. It's, it's, you know, the same way we actually just talked about recently, like I'm never going to be negative just to, just to make it sound interesting. Um, no. And that's, that's what, that's what Cornette does. And, but to hear him praising Sammy for what he's doing with the bloodline, I, I a hundred percent agree with him. He is going to be a red hot baby face uh, when he does get his turn and everything like that. And and I hope that he at least gets a chance to have a competitive match against Roman. I would argue that at this point he should be the person that takes off one of those titles from him. You could do it in a screw screwy way. Jay, or one of the Usos could accidentally mess up and, super kick Roman on accident and Sammy kind of gets a fluky win or something like that. But I think that you need to take advantage of having an organic just face that people love right now. Yeah. He, he does have a way of um, being the plucky underdog that people do fall in love with Um, his, his initial character in NXT was like, God, is he going to get out of his own way? And 
yeah. won the big one. Yeah. And that was his character. And does he have the killer instinct? And he did such a great job with that. That was, um, I think that was like the, uh, one of the first NXT matches that I saw that I was like, oh, that's a five-star match. Uh, him and at the time Neville, that was undeniably, that main event was, that was a fucking five-star match. Like just the emotion of it, how well everything was executed. It was like, okay, I have to start checking out NXT. It's because of Sami Zayn. Um, yeah, he's great. He's, uh, and, and I'm not the first to say this, but he does have this special gleam in his eye that is just perfect for comedy. Like he just has this weird, like Santa Claus, like twinkle in his <laughs> eye that just like glows and he can like make someone laugh. And he has like the Will Ferrell kind of charm where he can just by being there, he's funny and he doesn't really have to do anything. You got to capitalize on someone like that. Um, and I'm glad they're doing something more interesting with him as opposed to a heel who's just kind of annoying and he's a heel because he's annoying and he, the conspiracy thing kind of was not the best, but, um, he's doing great work right now. And, uh, I think, yeah, uh, like you mentioned about Cornette too, he's such a great historian and Cornette really does have a good perspective that gets lost in some of the over the top antics and some of his, um, hatreds and feuds and um just being controversial to be controversial i think Mm -hmm. yeah i i'm i'm excited to see where they go with sammy the bloodline's been really enjoyable and you know what it's funny i you know there was a rumor that his contract was going to be up i think like last october about a year ago same with kevin and them coming over to AEW. And there's a part of me that wanted it, but then there's also a part of me that was kind of bored with Sammy, especially like I, I, Kevin Owens has been a favorite of mine, even from his ROH days. So I was a little bit more pumped about the potential of him, but now you look a year later, like where those two have been, Sammy was in, was in that WrestleMania match with Johnny Knoxville. Great fun match. Kevin Owens got to give. Uh, Stone Cold one last match in front of uh, packed uh, AT&T God. Stadium. That was such a fun time to be there for that. And uh, and now seeing seeing what Sammy's able to do with the Bloodline, really making the Bloodline a, a super, super interesting group. And the dynamic that he's added has been great. It's got me tuning into their segments every week. And, you know, I, I hope that he gets rewarded for the work that he's put in. And I think I have no doubt that he will be. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm assuming he's certainly getting compensated financially, and he's getting rewarded um, for his 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 deal. Prize very good, um, and I like too. Like as much as we're more centric to, we're more um, orientated towards AEW as an overall presentation and show and style and so forth. I do like knowing that there's still good wrestlers on the other show, and that you can turn in WWE and it's still good. And there's there's wrestlers in there that are very good that and it, that entertain us, that surprise us because at the end of the day, you want the industry to thrive, and it thrives when there's competition. They thrive when people jump back and forth, and they're getting better deals, and they're getting smarter deals, and they're getting taken care of. And the companies have to have better creative to want to make someone come to the show. So at the end of the day, it's a good thing to have um, strength on both sides. Tribalism sucks. You don't need it. Exactly. I mean, you know, we could end the show by going into some of the Kane tweets about tribalism, but we have a terrifying election 
tomorrow. So let's just not comment. <laughs> just, let's just fucking end where we are because we got enough division and depressive things. And tomorrow may be a very difficult day for a lot of people, depending on what state you live in, depending on how terrifying some of the candidates are on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of shitty choices out there, but I do not to sound like a dad, but I do encourage people to vote for um, local issues that are specific to your county or your township. We have a lot of good quality candidates running where I live that are sane on both sides of the aisle um, that actually does exist. And you do have to research it. It's there to just be cynical and say, well, they're both fucking assholes as lazy and stupid. And there's things that do matter down the ballot um, that are important to your community. So don't be a dick and not vote just because you don't like who the governor or senator could be. There's other good people on the ballot that you should be researching. That's my uh, public service announcement. You know, fuck it. You should vote. Be a good citizen. Do your work. Don't be lazy. Uh, hopefully that doesn't cause anyone to not uh, support the show by not giving us a five-star review or streaming us. If you liked what you heard, please share it with friends within the uh, wrestling community. We're, again, always trying to organically build our platform. We're not investing uh, boatloads of money into any kind of marketing things. It's all word of mouth. We did have a great success last week in terms of uh, one of the videos on Instagram getting a lot of streams. So we appreciate that. That does mean a lot to us as uh content creators i know that sounds cringy to say that jesus christ but it does matter to us and we do put a lot of work on the website itself and we look to have more outstanding content uh for the rest of this year we'll do some awards i think coming up soon alex we've got the elites to come up just i want to do that. some semblance of like a list of best matches of the year uh aw has had a fantastic year of amazing wrestling in 2022 and then we've had some of the craziest news stories ever in this year as well so there's a lot of content that will be coming up uh in the weeks to come as we wrap up 2022 and being that it's been 2022, I'm sure there's one batshit crazy story still left to come out. There's something I think that's going to happen that we haven't spoken about yet. So we'll keep it coming. Rick Rude, take us away. Hit the music. <laughs>